Welcome to the Page Talks podcast, where we discuss issues critical to the work of professional educators and public education. The Professional Association of Georgia Educators serves 93,000 educators as the nation's largest independent educator association and leading advocate for educators, public education, and a valuable resource for member needs with legal representation, legislative services, and professional learning. I'm Craig Harper, Executive Director for PAGE and the host of the PAGE Talks podcast. This episode provides a brief preview to the 2022 session of the Georgia General Assembly. You can access all of the PAGE reports as well as many other highlights and analyses on the legislative webpage at www.pageinc.org. We have with us Margaret Ciccarelli, the Director of Legislative Services. Thank you for having us, Craig. You're welcome. And we have Josh Stevens, a Legislative Services Specialist. Thanks, Craig. I'm excited to be here to share more about the upcoming session. And we have Claire Suggs, who is our Senior Policy Analyst. Hello. I am so glad to be here with you all today and to talk about these important issues. Thank you all for being here. Uh, Let's just jump right in. Margaret, when does the 2022 legislative session begin and what will Paige be focusing on? It's right around the corner, Craig. The 2022 legislative session begins on Monday, January 10th. Governor Kemp did convene a special session for the purposes of redistricting last fall, but the scope of that session was narrow. The General Assembly will be much broader in scope. Education issues will all be on the table, which is why Page's 2022 legislative priorities, which were developed by our legislative task force with feedback from our entire membership throughout the fall, focus on the teacher pipeline, teacher return to work legislation, which is pending, the state budget, which we'll talk about shortly, and other K-12 school issues. Great. Thank you for that uh, high-level overview of what we expect to have happen on some of these priorities that we're focusing on. Uh, Josh, could you tell us a little bit more about page priorities regarding broadband and a little more about a pending return-to-work legislation? Sure. Thanks, Craig. So first on broadband, uh, this has been an issue that we've been focused on for quite some time, um, as we've heard across the state from educators and from families that simply haven't had the type of access they need for high-speed internet. Um, and that was exacerbated during the COVID-19 pandemic. We did a survey last year. Page members from across state told us that there was a negative impact on students due to this, the lack of broadband, including loss of interest in school, increased absences and in dropping out or losing contact completely. Uh, we, we see this as an issue that's mostly going to be solved on the federal level because the one of the biggest things needed for broadband access is funding. Um, and we saw an infusion of some funding from the federal level in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that passed in November. That included $65 billion for broadband access to improve services in rural areas and for low-income families. Most of this money is going to be available through grants, so we'll see how that plays out as that money starts flowing to states. On the state level, uh, the state has started to announce some partnerships with local EMCs and other internet provider companies that are starting to build out this infrastructure in some of the higher need areas. So we're encouraged by the progress on both state and federal level, but there's certainly a long way to go to ensure that all students have this access. On the return to work bill, This is a unique piece of legislation as it's a retirement bill that has a fiscal impact. So it requires a two-year process. Last year it was introduced and it's now gone through its actuarial review. So it'll be back up this year and would be eligible to pass. Uh, What the bill does is House Bill 385 by Shaw Blackman. It would allow return to work full-time after a 12-month waiting period in an area of high needs determined by the local RISAs. So whatever subject areas the RISA decides that they need, that will be who be eligible under this legislation. 
Well, both of those issues are of high importance to educators and school districts across our state. So I know we'll, we'll stay on top of that and let people know how those are moving as we go through the session. Margaret, you mentioned that K-12 budget requests are reflected in PAGE priorities. Can you expand on that? Yes, an important part of what PAGE does at the Capitol is to advocate, to track the state education budget and advocate for it as well. Two big items that we're watching this year are whether or not a long-promised teacher pay raise will come over the finish line. That was uh, a $5,000 pay raise was proposed by now Governor Kemp when he campaigned. He has delivered on part of that pay raise, which was much needed, and we were very happy to see go to hardworking Georgia educators, but $2,000 is left outstanding. And so that will be a big part of the education budget. We suspect and hope that it will be included this year, but it's something that we're watching carefully and we'll be reporting on for educators across the state. Another big piece of the education budget that we're watching is whether the ongoing austerity cut to Georgia's quality basic education school funding formula, which is the amount the amount that the state contributes to local education, and there is an ongoing cut to that of $362 million in the current fiscal year. And we're hoping that uh, higher than expected tax revenues will allow the state to, to close the gap on that and fulfill its obligation under the formula to send that money to local schools. Claire, you recently spearheaded a report reflecting educator opinions about the state teacher pipeline, including cost educators incur in obtaining their degrees and their experiences during the first few years of teaching regarding mentors. Can you please tell us more? Yes, thank you, Craig. And I'd like to start by sharing some of the feedback that PAGE members provided um, more broadly around the teacher pipeline that do signal concern as we look to the years ahead. A notably high proportion of educators said they were unlikely to remain in the field for another five years, a higher portion than in previous years. And more than half of educators in the survey told us they would not recommend education as a career. So those are just kind of signals that pipeline really is an important issue that lawmakers need to be attentive to as we head into the legislative session. Turning to those two specific issues that you raised around the, the cost of becoming a teacher, 63% of all of the respondents to the survey who have a bachelor's degree assumed a student loan debt. They needed a student loan to get through school to earn that degree. Looking at the educators who completed their degree in 2005 or later, fully three quarters of those educators took on student loan debt. And for many of these educators, that debt is really quite significant. Nearly 42% of, of educators who finished their degree um, after 2005 owe $40,000 or more in student loan debt. And that's really hard to pay on a teacher's salary. So that's, that is definitely an issue that we want to lift up for lawmakers. One of the other things that we learned from participants was specific to new teachers. On the upside, over 70% of new teachers said that they had a mentor and that the, the support provided by mentors, that mentor was very helpful. That means, though, that over 20%, I think specifically 23% of new teachers did not have a mentor. And that is a cause of concern. We know that you know, a high-quality mentor program really does improve new teacher retention. So that's another issue that we want to lift up as we go into the legislative session. We want to make sure that every teacher, every new teacher has a mentor. 
So, Claire, what is PAGE recommending that state legislators do with the PAGE survey findings? Well, we've developed um, a series of recommendations that kind of fall into three broad categories. And the first is to minimize learning disruptions for students. The second focuses on the pipeline to fortify the educator pipeline. And then the final is to really collaborate with educators to design solutions to common concerns. And I don't want to walk through each of those, but to highlight just a couple of the recommendations in those categories Margaret has already lifted up the importance of of fully funding the quality basic education formula and providing a competitive wage to teachers through the, the salary increase. We'd also like to see lawmakers look at and increase funding for substitute teachers. You know, that's a huge challenge for districts right now as well as bus drivers. Again, districts are really struggling to find bus drivers and substitutes, and that is partly because of very low levels of funding under the QBE. Again, we wanna lift up mentors um, and, and make sure that that gets some attention, but also, Going back to the student loan question, you know, the state for many years had a loan forgiveness program for teachers. They eliminated that program in 2010. And so we would like to see the state renew its commitment to a loan forgiveness program to make that debt loan or debt load more manageable for educators. That can be a significant recruitment and retention incentive for people as they go into this profession that doesn't pay well at the beginning stages of, of the career when it is so difficult as they try to get acclimated in classrooms. So all the, all those issues that you just highlighted that our members have also highlighted in that survey are just critical things that we need to continue to address and highlight with our legislators. Josh, the survey also asked educators about school district use of federal pandemic-related funds. What did we learn from the educator responses? Sure. So first, a little bit on that. Georgia received $5.9 billion in federal relief funds throughout the COVID pandemic so far um, to help uh, cover the added costs of providing just core services to students. Um, That can include anything from devices to software to internet connectivity that we've already talked about to meals. There's a very specific list of things that that money is allowed to be used for. Um, And the funds must also be spent by September 2024. The way the funds were dispersed was based on district student poverty rates, which vary considerably across the state. For some districts, some that the federal dollars might not even help cover their pandemic-related costs, um, especially those that had to use a large portion of that to cover their state funding cut. On the survey, more than 65% of all responding educators report that they did not have any input into their district's plans to use federal ARP funds, which is the American Rescue Plan, to help address these needs. It's an even greater disparity when you look when you break that down amongst administrators and then other types of educators, including teachers and support staff. Administrators have much more input in that process, whereas uh, we don't see much at all from teachers and other school employees. So, Claire, what do we know about requirements for stakeholder involvement with the federal funds? Yeah, the American Rescue Plan legislation has a really important piece around community input into school districts that plans to use those funds. So districts need to solicit input from their stakeholders, starting with educators and students, but of course, reach out to parents and other community members and get their feedback to make sure that the plans for using those dollars really are responsive to student needs. Over the last few years, there have been multiple efforts toward expanding or adding to vouchers in Georgia. What do we know about what might happen this year? 
On vouchers, we have two two bills that are left over from the last legislative session. Uh, the first bill is House Bill 517, which takes a couple of steps towards the transparency, the fiscal transparency on the tuition tax credit voucher program. This bill is by Representative John Carson of Marietta. We are appreciative that legislators are discussing transparency of this program, but we feel like this bill is not going far enough as far as the financial transparency goes. Department of Audits released a report in the last couple of years that provides a clear list of changes to the program that can be made in order to bolster this accountability and transparency on the fiscal side. We're also hoping that legislators will begin to incorporate academic transparency and accountability in this program as well, but that is not included in this bill. The second voucher bill is House Bill 142 by Representative Casey Carpenter from Dalton. This bill actually would have expanded the tuition tax credit voucher program. It would have increased the cap to $150 million. It's currently at $100 million. That's been kind of a a play from legislators over the last few years is to slowly increase this cap in order to continue building this program. Page will completely oppose any sort of expansion of this voucher program or the removal of the sunset of this program. So currently that $100 million is expected to sunset in the next year or two and go back down to the $58 million funding level that was in the original legislation. There have been efforts by some legislators to remove that sunset. So we'll keep an eye on that and report out to members as we hear more. Margaret, have we heard about legislators' intention to introduce other education-related legislation this session? We haven't heard much, Craig, but what we have heard is about one piece of legislation from House Speaker Pro Tem Jan Jones, a Republican from the North Fulton area. She plans uh, an anti-obscenity bill that aims to protect students from viewing obscene materials at school. Joan says it aims to bring uniformity to the way schools block materials using their school internet filters. Her proposal, which is still being drafted, is not one that Paige has yet had access to, but it is an attempt, says the author, to create a, quote, fair and consequential, unquote, process to address educators who use poor judgment or intentionally expose students to inappropriate materials. The drafters say the bill will stop short of providing criminal penalties for educators, however. So this is a piece of legislation that Paige is concerned about. It will certainly impact Georgia educators and media specialists as it, if it comes to fruition, as it has currently been reported in the news. So Paige will be reporting more through our reports to our members and advocating on this legislation. So Claire, is there anything unusual about this year's session that would affect how long the session might last? Well, it's an election year, and that usually means that they want to get back out on the campaign trail. And so there's a good chance that it will be a fairly short legislative session. So hopefully things will go smoothly. All right. And Paige, every year, hosts the Paige Day on Capitol Hill. And that's a significant event for our members and us as we show up at the Capitol. Josh, can you tell us more about what members should expect with that event this year? Sure, Craig. We're looking forward to getting back in person for this meeting this year, um, hopefully, as long as nothing unforeseen happens. The day that we'll be meeting this year is Tuesday, February 22nd. So we'll have a morning session where members can hear from policymakers and other important folks that can share about education policy. We look forward to setting this agenda over the next couple of weeks, and we look forward to sharing with members who will be joining us. And of course, 
Everybody needs to sign up for our legislative reports, and they can do that online at our website. And I know people look forward to seeing the reports that you do on a daily basis on all the activity on, on the Capitol, any special reports that are necessary on hot-button issues that come up. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Page Talks podcast. Our legislative services team of Margaret Ciccarelli, Josh Stevens, and Claire Suggs, as well as many other Page staff, appreciate the opportunity to represent and advocate for Page members, Georgia educators, and public education. I encourage you to become a regular Page Talks listener by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Learn more about the Professional Association of Georgia Educators on our website. If you're a Georgia educator and aren't already a Page member, consider joining us today. Goodbye until next time.